Hey, this is Jim Maroos, the co-publisher of Financial Brand and owner and CEO of the Digital Bank Report. Today, I'm at the Financial Brand Forum in Las Vegas, where I'm joined by Doug Lipp, the former head of training at Disney. Hi, it's Jim Roos from the Digital Banking Report, and I'm here today with Doug, Doug Lipp, who uh, his history really went back to Disney University and, and today consults companies on how to really transform their organizations to be more respectful, respectful of people and relative in the digital environment. So, Doug, welcome. Jim, thank you. I'm you know, glad we made it to the Financial Brand Forum this year and, and want to spend some time with you because a lot of what you talk about is dealing with transition. Right but not forgetting legacy thoughts. Yeah, um, yeah. Disney's a great example yeah. that Disney has changed tremendously through the years, yeah. but you know what to expect. Mm-hmm. Brand forward, brand centric, but yet we, you know, we see it all the time that you know, they keep on moving forward, utilizing technology for the benefit of making every experience with Disney right. special right. and treating you like a child in a way yeah. and, and, and to your inner core. So when you're talking to organizations right now and, and bringing your history to the table, right. um, what do you suggest for organizations that are, are like financial institutions that are legacy organizations with legacy leadership and the need to move forward in a way that's maybe not what they're going to feel comfortable with? Sure. Well, Jim, that's a really interesting question. And I'll share with you my answer briefly would be a, a Walt Disney quote. He said, I look at Disneyland as a piece of clay that I can continually mold. And his message was, I'm not going to please everybody all the time, but we're going to keep disruption going on and on. And as an example, right now at Disneyland, they're about to launch Star Wars Land. And in order to build Star Wars Land, they actually had to reconfigure the tracks for the steam locomotive train that Walt himself laid out, which upset a number of people. But Walt would have been okay with that. So what I talk to with leaders is, if you're all about maintaining the past, then you don't have much of a future. If you're only in your comfort zone, then there's something terribly wrong. Well, geez, that, I mean, we talk about the fact that you need to embrace change, yeah. take risks, right. and disrupt yourself. And right. we talk about that on the personal, professional, and corporate level. Right. Right. But you work with a lot of companies that yeah. are like financial institutions that there's nothing right now wrong yeah. from the financial side. Right. They're, they're all making money. There's, there's not the competition that's knocking them over like it right. has in retail. Right. But we all know it's right around the corner. Yeah. But there's sometimes I get the feeling that we're, uh, leadership is balancing the fact that I may only have five to 10 years left yeah. and I can probably get through this. And they don't mean mentally, but, it's, but changing what they've done so well in their past yeah. is hard. Yeah. What do you suggest those kind of companies? Well, it's again, it's one of the things that I see in the most successful organizations, and I have to go back to what I learned. Again, I I didn't work directly for Walt. He passed away in 1966. I was 11 years old then. (laughs) But my mentor was handpicked by by Walt, and the two or three of the men that I worked for were handpicked by Walt. And they said, the way that we keep fresh is we're always in the field. In Disney speak, it's called walking the park. Walt actually had an apartment at Disneyland, and he would go down into the park at 2 in the morning, 3 in the afternoon, whatever time of day, ask guests, customers, ask cast members, our employees, how could we improve the show? 
So he didn't just think he had all the answers. He asked recipients of the service. He asked the, the men and women who were purveying the service, his employees. So he didn't lord over the system. He always went out with a sense of curiosity. In fact, you mentioned the, this concept of, of, of being curious and having a, an ability to change. He said the trouble with people is we grow up, we forget what it's like to be 12 years old and have that sense of curiosity. So what I suggest to executives, even when their business is going well, is don't forget to get out into the field, put down the spreadsheets, and go talk to people. Well, we, you know, it's interesting because we, we, we do uh, surveys every year on what people put as a high priority. And the banking industry is probably no right. different than anybody else. Right. Customer experience is at the top. Yeah. For the first time this year in our reports, data over was mm. higher than mm. customer experience. But you're thinking to yourself going, obviously, because in order to have a good customer experience, you have to have the data and the analytics. Yeah. and the, yeah. But the challenge is, is to, as you said, deploying it in a way that a customer is going to feel it yeah. because the financial institutions, there's no doubt they have enough data to know everything about every customer. Exactly. But do you as a customer know that they know that much about you? Exactly. How do you do that? In a place like Disney that right now has magic bands and all the people and you know yeah. exactly yeah. how they're going to travel the park, right. how do you deploy that in a way that, that's comfortable to the consumer? Well, the idea is to have the data, but also then how do you treat your employees so they go out and treat customers in a way that's very human? Because Sometimes the systems break down and you have to have that human interaction. And it goes back to the way that we treat our employees back of the house is the way they're gonna treat our customers front of the house. And if we treat our employees like robots and with indifference and with a lack of respect, they're gonna do the same thing when that customer walks up and says, oh, my magic band isn't working, how do I fix it? Well, go replace it as opposed to, let me guide you over to a place where we can fix that for you. You have empathy as opposed to simply directing someone robotically. Because what I see all too often is in the search for analytics and data and high-tech, executives and leaders and owners forget it still boils down to somewhere along the line there's going to be that personal connection. And once you've lost that and rely exclusively on data or AI, you're not going to last. Well, it's the humanization of the digital experience. Right. And, and you just brought up a good example that you have Nordstrom's that, that you know, they, they walk behind the counter years ago and, and yeah. other retailers pick up that idea and they say, we'll do it. But that's just like lipstick on a pig or, or a band-aid on a, on a major wound yeah. where people try to emulate or, or copy another organization they see do things without really going deep enough to realize there's a whole lot more than that than what you just met by the eye. You know what else is lacking in a lot of companies is training. And it's, I mean, training is a broad base. Training doesn't have to be in a classroom. It could be in 30-second bursts before a shift during a day. It could be in coaching. It could be in staff meetings. And all too often I see executives that say, oh, what if I train these people and they leave? You know, the, 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 the millennials are going to be gone in a heartbeat. And I'll say, okay, here's a lesson that goes back 30-plus years. I was working with Andy Grove in Silicon Valley at Intel, one of the Intel yeah. founders. And I said, Andy, how do you handle that? Because you really are a, a cheerleader for training. He said, this is what I say to the executives in Silicon Valley that say, you know, in the high-tech industry, if I, if I train them, they might leave. What if I train them and they go? And, and I, meaning Andy, said, what if you don't train them and they stay? <laughs> <laughs> you know, that, that, I mean, that's great. And... and, and Again, using Andy as an example, it wasn't, as you said, normally all the time formal training. Right. It was the encouragement of self-educating yeah. yeah. to move forward. Because right. the challenge we have is that, especially as technology is moving too quickly, right. you can't really always know how you're going to train somebody else. Yeah. But it's amazing how individuals can learn how to train themselves if given the opportunity right. and encouraged self-development. Because 
we have a situation now with Brexit and, and with our own economy right. where there's a lot of anxiety about I'm not ready for what has happened and I've been left behind. Yeah. We're on the cusp of a lot more people potentially yeah. being left behind if we don't build training into everything we do. Exactly. What, what, do you believe that's a true case right now? or? Oh, there's no question. But again, some people are locked on to training is in a classroom. Training is an overhead training. No, training is how that manager runs a staff meeting. Training can be woven through any number of daily activities. And the other thing that I see all too often as a reason why organizations don't change, and they all say the same thing, and nobody's different. They say, well, if you have the same regulatory issues we do, you'd have a hard time getting good people and holding on to good people and being creative. And all I'll say, what's the difference between you and a fast-serve restaurant? What's the difference between you and a laboratory? What's the difference between you and the local hospital? Every leader in those organizations says the same thing. Yeah. And we also have a challenge because the, we have leaders that came from legacy organizations. We have boards that right now are probably not comprised of the people you need yeah. to look for it. What do you suggest to your, the companies you consult right, with right, right now regarding in some cases, getting rid of friends on the board. Well, Jim, I'll be honest. I did some work with the hospital a couple of years ago, and of the 13 board members, 12 had not been on rounds in the hospital ever. And so I turned to the, 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 chief, the chief executive officer, the chairman of the board. I said, I see 12 members of the board that if they don't go on rounds, and they're using HIPAA laws, privacy laws as a rationale for not going, but they really don't want to go. I see 12 members that if they don't go on rounds, they should be replaced. Yeah. It's not, leadership is not a popularity contest. And a CEO should know that. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's a, it's a challenge also because, again, it's a ripple effect. Yeah. So if you have an organization that has those type of leaders or right. that right. challenge, it does travel down. And you're not even going to get the millennials to come to your company because right. they're going to feel it really quickly. Exactly. And, and loyalty is giving to the employees who, by the way, want to give to the consumer. It's funny. Yeah. <laughs> it's funny, yeah, because people say, I can't relate to the millennials, and I'll say, just replace millennials with another group, a, a cultural group. Would you say the same thing about, and I've done a lot of work, international groups, I speak fl Japanese fluently. Anytime I hear a leader say, I can't work with the Chinese or the Japanese or the Bolivians, I'll say, well, then you haven't earned your stripes. You haven't gone and sat in their, in their seat. And if you're saying the same thing about the millennials, well, then so be it. Your business is not going to last very long. It just shows how lazy you are. Well, and it also putting anybody in a segment like millennials, yeah. you're already making assumptions that Precisely. they're different than everybody else. Exactly. And we, we just talked about somebody right. the other day that said, you know, I'm, I'm a, I'm a uh, millennial wrapped up in a, in a baby boomer body, yeah. if maybe a little bit too much of one. But right. still, the challenge is we sometimes make all these assumptions and are we really talking to a group of people that are now embracing technology that only used to be yeah. the millennials? Well, there's one thing I, I'd just like to finish with my thought that a, the, the man who was in charge of Imagineering at Disney, which was the forefront of creativity, he summed up what his observation of Walt Disney was that helped create this culture that I learned so much. And he said, Walt was amazingly skilled at having one foot in the past and one foot in the future. And very few organizations have one person who can do that. Usually it's a cadre of people. So my message to leaders is, who's focusing on your values and your past and your legacy? Who's focusing on today? Who's focusing on tomorrow? Because rarely can one person do it all. Well, you think about Walt Disney, he would do well today. Yeah. Because he, he, he was always a step ahead of everything else. Yeah. And running faster would not have been a big problem exactly. because he always made sure that he had a foot in both things. Yeah. Really appreciate your time. Thank you, Jim. And uh, appreciate pleasure. you being at the Financial Brand Forum this year.
Thanks for listening. This is Jim Roos again, co-publisher of the financial brand and owner and CEO of the Digital Bank Report. If you enjoyed today's interview, be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast app. You can learn more about the Digital Bank Report and the financial brand by visiting digitalbankreport.com or thefinancialbrand.com. This has been a production of Evergreen Podcast. Producer Bridget Coyne, in-studio engineer Eric Coltnow, and additional thanks to my audio team for recording today's interview. For more information, go to evergreenpodcast.com. This is your host again, Jim Roos. Thanks for listening, and I hope to see you sometime at one of my many events globally. You've got questions, we've got answers. Business leadership, ownership, and sales can be challenging. Tune into the Accelerate Your Business Growth podcast to learn from the world's experts. Join me, your host, Diane Helbig, as I chat with people who have expertise in various areas of business. You'll enjoy the lively conversations that are focused on providing you with the ideas, tips, and suggestions you need to realize greater success. Get what you need for your business when you need it from the people who have the answers. Accelerate Your Business Growth is part of the Evergreen Podcast Network and is available on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your favorite podcast.